Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have a fantastic show for all of you listeners today as we are joined by one of the players of the past 15 years in men's college tennis, a former All-American at Ohio State, now volunteer assistant for the Kentucky men's tennis team. Peter Kobelt joins me on today's show to reflect on his outstanding career to discuss both the joys and the difficulties of life on the pro circuit and then of course to talk about why he has gotten into college coaching is a fantastic episode i know all of you listeners are going to enjoy i will warn you now we geek out we get nerdy get into the weeds specific matches from the early 2010s in college tennis my favorite era growing up i know all of you listeners are going to enjoy this episode of course college contender series coming up here at crack rackets you can hear our top 10 teams for both the men and the women heading into the season over the next 10 weeks those podcasts breaking down the teams can be on our gsp feed those uh of course conversations with head coaches from those teams can be here on the cracked interviews podcast so plenty of fun content coming your way of course daily updates on our mini break podcast feed you listeners don't want to miss out on that but without further ado let's get into it today's podcast conversation with former ohio state standout and kentucky volunteer assistant peter Cobelt. Joining us on the podcast today is a guest I have been tracking down for quite a bit of time, and I'll be honest, we would have had him on the podcast sooner if I was better at managing my schedule. Nevertheless, we are so excited to be joined today by a man who's seen just about everything from throughout the college tennis world. Of course, you may remember him from his time as an All-American NCAA doubles finalist at Ohio State. He is now the volunteer assistant coach at the University of Kentucky. Welcome to the show, Peter. Cobelt. Peter, welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. How are you doing today? Alex, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for the nice little intro there. I'm sure that's about as uh, nice as you can get from a Michigan <laughs> man. So. <laughs> Exactly. Look, if you're expecting an OH out of me on today's podcast, sadly, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I will say from the start, and this is something I've expressed to you privately, but 20... I would say 2009 to 2015 was my peak of college tennis nerddom, and I think the hot take, if you wanted a hot take in that era, was that Peter Kobelt should be playing one above Blaz Rolla at Ohio State. Now, that would have been a spicy take, no doubt, in about 2013, 2014. Nevertheless, again, I want to get right into it, because obviously, uh, a guy like you, you know, five-star recruit on tennis recruiting, you end up at Ohio State. Let's start with the origin stories. How does Peter Kobelt get into tennis? Tennis, you know, again, where does that passion for the sport come from? That's a good question. Um, I, uh, my, my dad, my dad, my dad is a tennis coach. He's been a tennis coach his, uh, ent- basically his entire, uh, his, his, his life. Um, he got me into tennis. Um, he's a tennis coach. He runs his own club in Columbus, Ohio, in, in New Albany, where I'm from. And, uh, yeah, he, he loved tennis and I always went to work with dad and, um, and I just, you know, I got the bug for it. I, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played basketball all the way through high school. So I, I didn't quite take tennis like as seriously as, as you might today. But, um, but, uh, yeah, tennis was always something that I was really good at and I, and I loved and, and it's obviously a whole family venture with my brother and my sister too. So. 
Yeah, no doubt. I always like to think behind every successful tennis player is a brother named Alex. Uh, so, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that you would have success. But, of course, you talk about coming from a tennis family. And something I always like to explore when we have guests like that is just I have a theory that tennis players speak their own language, right? Tennis is a culture. And I'm curious for you because you talk about playing other sports, yet having a father, you know, who was ingrained in that tennis culture – is the culture something that appeals to you? Because obviously there are times at the juniors, particularly at the highest levels, where it can be a bit toxic. And so I'm curious how balancing other sports, I mean, it helps to be 6-7. I'm sure that's a natural <laughs> power forward slot for you. Uh, but, you know, how is balancing those two things between, you know, embracing the tennis culture, which you almost have to do to be a successful pro, and also being able to keep it at an arm's distance? Yeah, um, I guess when I was younger, I was a little more shy. And I think I... <laughs> And I liked the the team atmosphere maybe a little bit more, and maybe that's why I, I gravitated towards basketball. But as I got older, I started to realize how you know I just wanted to control everything, and tennis tennis kind of gave me that that ability where it was all, always on me whether I win or whether I lose, and um, that's kind of what I, I went. That's the road I went down. And I guess at the beginning of your question the junior the junior tennis is is tough you know there are a lot of tough parents out there too <laughs> that make things uh, that make things awkward at times but um they're all good experiences to go through and you learn from from all of them so Mm -hmm. No, no doubt about that. And obviously for you, you talk about gravitating to the uh, team environment. And I'm trying to get us to your Ohio State time as quickly as possible here. You can tell. But look, you're from New Albany, a dad who has a club in Columbus. Is it just, you know, the second Ohio State offers, it's like, yes, I'm going to be a Buckeye. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was born in Cincinnati and I moved to Columbus when I was two. So like all I really remember is oh, Columbus and Ohio State and I was obsessed with the football and the basketball. I, you know, I can name almost all the players from all the best teams and stuff. So, yeah, obviously getting a, an offer from Ty and and Justin and Coach Schilling at the time was, you know, like a dream come true as a as a kid from Columbus. So I was once I got the offer, I pretty much knew that was that was it, and I was ready to ready to start. Mm -hmm. And going through that recruiting process, and I believe your current employer, Cedric, must have recruited you at the time, as I'm looking at the tennis recruiting, and I see Kentucky was in the mix. Makes sense. You're an Ohio guy. Um, what what did you, you know, again, going from co uh, from player to coach in that recruiting process, I'm curious what that's like for you now as you look at it from the coaching perspective and, you know, what things perhaps you went through through your own experience that you can say, okay, this is the should-dos as you're recruiting. This is what you should not be doing. Yeah, Cedric. Cedric did recruit me. Dennis Emery was the head coach at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, I think um, it just didn't work out uh, with with scholarships and things like that. I think they had given everything away. But um, I plus, mean, who oh, wants to play for Cedric? <laughs> Cedric's a great guy. <laughs> I love Cedric. Yeah. But um, um, no, it's as a player and as a coach it's it's obviously a lot different and i can see how stressful it is as a as a coach i haven't gotten too much into the recruiting yet but you can that's for me looking just being into it a year now i can see that's probably the most important part you know you got to recruit and then once you think you've recruited enough you got to recruit more and you know you got to keep going with it um so Matt instead of have showed me that side and you know I have a lot of you know from just being a coach now 
I have a lot more respect for for everyone that that does it, and especially everything that tying Justin did at Ohio State. It's obviously really hard and and uh, takes a lot of commitment. So, mm-hmm. no, no doubt about that. And you walk onto campus 2009 to a team that's obviously you know at the top of college tennis, making NCAA finals, and you know producing national champion individuals as well. And if memory serves me correct, I believe you redshirt your freshman year. And I'm curious what that experience is like. What goes into making that sort of decision? Because obviously. I feel like a redshirt is not something we see employed quite as frequently in college tennis, but I know that's something Ty is not afraid to do at Ohio State. Yeah, kind of coming in, that was kind of just what Ty liked to do, and I didn't, I didn't really mind because the team I was coming into was already excellent, and and I don't, you know, I was honestly probably the second worst player on the team if not the worst on a given day so i wasn't gonna play so i didn't mind redshirting and uh just kind of taking care of my studies and practicing hard and having a little fun on the side you know like just kind of enjoying college a little bit and taking the stress off of playing and traveling and and all that but i think it was it was great for me because you know the back half of my career is when i really kind of took off so it was yeah, it was no, I, it was an investment for sure. I don't know. I think you and Alaire in 2011 was the peak. I don't think it got much better than that for you. We, uh, we were we, we were pretty good serving, but I don't know how good we are returning. But yeah, <laughs> well, yeah and well, I'm just curious. You talk about again because I know Ty Tucker. He coaches them. He coaches them hard. And so transitioning to college tennis, you talk about being the second worst player on the roster. And you know, again, you weren't fully invested in tennis I think the way some players are by the time they enter college tennis but I'm curious for you what's it like making that jump into the highest levels of college tennis and you know the discipline it takes what, what were the big you know things that jumped out to you was it just the level was it the discipline what was it it was definitely a reality check for sure because I was always kind of just I worked hard but I didn't I realized I didn't work that hard and <laughs> and I was always kind of just naturally good at, at tennis and and when I got to college, I realized, you know, man, this is a this is full time job between school and and tennis, and you know, ties obviously not easy, and uh, the expectations of, of Ohio State, you know, always doing well every year, you know, winning the Big Ten or coming absolutely very close, you, know, you didn't want to let let the team down, you didn't want to, you know, I had a lot of pride in in, in Ohio State, and and I still do, but. Um, it was just like, okay, now, now it's time to go. If you ask Ty, it probably took me a year or a year and a half to really get going, but, uh, he was, uh, he was on me from the beginning and, and, you know, I wouldn't have done anything, everything I did without, without the coaches there. So. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, when you look, I believe that 2010 team, were you guys semifinals that year at NCAAs? I want to say. Was that, that was in Stanford? Uh, or maybe Georgia. Maybe Athens, Georgia, that Georgia freshman year. The, my freshman year, that Georgia year, we quarterfinal. That was that was. Uh, I think we lost to USC that year in the quarterfinals. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was one of those matches. And so again, that 2010 team has a bunch of success, and you know you get a you get a taste of it, and then we transition to 2011, and obviously that was a team that lost three times, I believe, in total all season long, and I believe makes national indoor finals where you guys are knocked off by Virginia and. You know, again, I, 
I'm just curious, even before we get to any of the individual matches, uh, what are the expectations like when you're on a team that you know brings back talent like Buchanan, like Rolla, like yourself and Alaire and all these different guys? What's that offseason look like for you? And I'm curious, as you look at this Kentucky team, all of the talent you bring back, how those things filter in to the approach you're taking this year? Well, I, you know, I just we work we worked hard. We practiced all summer, and and you know you can't really fake it. You got to climb up each uh, rung of the ladder and and pay your dues, and you got to earn it. And um, you know, obviously with Rolla and Buchanan at one and two, it doesn't get much better than that. And we had we had great guys all up and down the lineup, but there were times where I was like, man, I don't even know. Like, am I good enough to be playing in the lineup? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, it was just – I just try to take everything one day at a time, one match at a time, and do my best and work as hard as I can and try and earn my stripes for, for the team. And, and um, yeah, I mean, at, here at Kentucky, it's the same kind of deal, just trying to work – prepare the best you can every day, do everything you can, practice the best you can every day, be consistent with your work and – and you know care about it and and try and do your best when whatever it is if it's stretching if it's hitting if it's studying you know the more you you invest into something the more you're you're going to get out of it so do you take draxel or rolla one-on-one head-to-head winner take (laughs) i mean that's a tough question i (laughs) you know i draxel i'll go draxel for now but rolla Man, I don't know if there was any more of a sure thing in college tennis than Rolla that, that his junior year there. That, he was unbelievable that year. So, No, I don't think we talk about 2013 Rolla enough in the all-time great seasons. Jared beat him. That's it. Like one loss for an entire year. And do you – like again, you've been around the Draxels. You've been around the Rollas. Do you know right away when a Rolla or a Draxel step on, steps on campus onto a roster, can you tell like, oh, yeah, these guys are a different level? Yeah, it's just something about their character. You know, they just, it's just, it's, it's not even the tennis part, in my opinion. It's just, you look at them and then you watch them in practice and then you, you watch them compete and you just see if they just have this thing about them where they just don't lose, you know, they, they put their back up against the wall and they find an answer. And I think they both have those, Rolla and Liam have that characteristic where you think you have them or you think it's your day and then they're able to flip it you know whether they're playing good or whether they're not you know so that said that roll the forehand hmm yeah like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it was nice i didn't like it at all having a one-handed backhand that's for sure (laughs) yeah it's miserable practice (laughs) sessions for you you're like keep me away from this girl i'll take buchanan instead absolutely you know that 2011 season you're playing number one doubles you know by the end of that year and I would argue in the 21st century, the 2011 NCAA men's tournament, that was as good as it's gotten on the men's side here. And obviously you have a Virginia team that enters the event undefeated. You have USC looking for the three-peat. You have yourselves. You have a Stanford team with Klon and Thatcher, which you like that top two, again, just against just about anyone uh, in terms of in uh, college tennis history. And, you know, again, this is where you might swear at me. You got, you know, that's the prime Virginia USC years. That's those two schools, peak of their powers, battling it out year after year after year. 
going into that tournament, what are you guys thinking? And again, you take doubles against Virginia in that NCAA semifinal. Talk me through that match. That's got to be, even in a loss, up there in the memorable moments for you. Yeah, so obviously USC and Virginia were the were the favorites. Uh, you know, their teams were un- unbelievable. And um, yeah, I mean, we always prided ourselves on winning doubles and we felt like regardless of who we were playing, we could win the doubles. And if we did that, then the, the math kind of worked in our favor, at least on paper. You know, you never knew what was going to happen. But, yeah, we got the doubles, and um, it just it just didn't go our way. Virginia was determined. I remember talking to uh, Sanam Singh after, after, the, after they lost in the finals and just listening to how much he, like, committed, the whole team committed to the season. It kind of, like, motivated me moving forward with the team just like you know wow these guys literally did everything they could to try and and win and they even came up short you know that's how it goes sometimes usc was too good that year but uh, you know Mm -hmm. just listening to guys like that and uh learning from them and trying to apply it to to the team and stuff is is cool i know he's a foible of yours later on and we'll get to this matchup but uh was fresh, you know, I'm convinced freshman year Alex Damashan was a top 50 player in the world. Like that guy, <laughs> just again, slim, hitting the ball cleanly. I, he, what he beat Buchanan, I think like two and two in that semifinal, which like you just don't beat Chase Buchanan 6 2 6 2 in a college tennis match. True or false, top 50 player that freshman year? I mean, I, I didn't know tennis that well at the time, but I watched him play and I said, man, like, this doesn't happen much to Chase, kind of like what you said. Like Chase is the real deal, you know, 115 in the world. So I mean, if if Domajan's doing that, then I mean, the huge serve, great returns, extremely solid forehand, backhand. Like that's that's a tough out. Domajan Domajan's good. I don't know how many people remember him from college tennis today, but the co- I'm sure a lot of the coaches do. But he was uh, he was real the real deal. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm convinced. Like, that freshman year him, if he's like, ah, I'm turning pro, like, he walks into the top 100, sleepwalks into the top 100. It was just a joke, <laughs> that combination of style. Like, you see all the six 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 seven guys now, I'm like, yeah, they're good, but the originals were Cobell and Damashan. Like, if you know, you know. I don't, I don't <laughs> think you can put my name in that conversation, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, I <laughs> mean, all American. was better than me, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he was good. Look, I'm trying to butter you up a little bit here, no doubt about that. But, again, you were at that 2011 were you did you stick around you must have for the 2011 final because you were there for doubles did you watch that match did you see the diving volley from Daniel and I think that's the best match in college tennis history I think that was the best match and that was the best point well yeah I mean I think the next best if it could be a tie with the with the, the a few years later I think two years later at Illinois when Puget and Mitchell Frank had that fiasco mm. where the whole foot touching the net that was pretty crazy too. I was I was lucky to see both of them. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the the diving the diving shot by D Win, and him coming through clutch there. That's where he gets the nickname D Win because he always wins in the biggest moments. And <laughs> and yeah, it was cool. It's just really cool to see amazing tennis, especially in college and at the highest level. It's you know it only happens a, a few times of the year, and to see it at an all time high like that, I agree with you. That was probably some of the the best college tennis and you know there's been and it was just really cool to see and i think that speaks to the level right because 
when you look at this past decade, the amount of you know talent that's filtered through, and obviously the headlines are always Isner and Anderson and Johnson, and now we see what Cam Norrie's doing, and I think it was 11 guys in the top 100 a couple of weeks ago with college ties. Did you feel that in your era, and when you look at it now, has the talent in college tennis continued to improve? Does it continue to prove a viable pathway to the pros in your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like, there were so many guys when I was playing, you know, Bradley Klon, Jimmy Jenkins. I mean, the, there's, I'm I can, I'm going to forget him. Ryan Williams, tennis Sangren, you know, th- there was just guys everywhere. You know, that's what it felt like. I'm, I'm, I'm missing them. I'm sure I'm missing 10 of 10 of them, but <laughs> I just felt like there were so many good players all the time. And absolutely. Yeah. College is absolutely a, a great path to the pro tour, especially, you know, uh, you you got to have a little bit of, of, of backing financially. And if you don't have that, college is great. If you're not mature enough, you know, mentally, you know, for the tour, because the tour is a, another beast of its own. Um, college is great. And obviously, you know, just to get an education, I, I feel like people undervalue that a lot. You know, to have an education in your back pocket when you go into the tour, gives, it gave me a sense of security knowing that, you know, even if I don't do well or if I don't make it, then, you know, life after will, will be a little bit easier of a transition for sure. So, no, I'm sure Roll is like, you left me off your list. Like, what about me? I, I was really good. <laughs> roll, yeah. roll, yes. I'm sorry, Blush. Yeah, no. Um, but again, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I do want to explore uh, that, you know, again, your time on the Pro Tour and, you know, the difficulties that all a life as a pro entails but i i do uh, not to harp on this point i look at the year time in particular that's peak university of virginia and osu as a rival and, and just again 2011 they knock you guys off 2012 you clip them at in charlottesville during the national indoors and you know i feel like for you you're like let me play mitchell frank Never play Damajan again, please. <laughs> um, but, you know, for you, uh, obviously the 2012 you know season and 2013 you guys uh, have success. But 2014, you get to deliver Coach Tucker his first national championship. And, you know, that was the beginning of the birth of no ad scoring. And that was the tournament with the tiebreakers at 5-all. And the first time I brought that up to Ty, he goes, oh, of course the Michigan guy brings up the tiebreaker for him. I was like, that's say. not what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not trying to say that at all. Look at where things are now. And. You know, again, I watched that Virginia match. Fantastic match. You guys drop doubles, come back, take four singles off of uh, that team. Super impressive. What did it mean for you to be able to deliver the title to tie, particularly, again, given some of the tough losses you guys had taken? 4-3 UCLA 2013. Like, that's a pick match, and then it's pick against Virginia again. To go from that to the very next year, win that national title, it has to be special despite – you know, the funky format, the asterisks that'll always be next to it. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So that was a, that was a, that was a, it was an anxious year because we had just, you know, Chase was gone. Rolla was gone. McCarthy was gone. Connor Smith was gone. Illa Von England was gone. So it was me and then Chris Diaz who were returning starters in the lineup that year. So, it was one and a half people because Chris didn't play double zero before. <laughs> and I thought that was a height joke. I was like, that's one. I was like, that's brutal. No, I was like, so, you know, there's twelve feet of people between you. So I think, I think 
teams are like, okay, yeah, this might be the year where we can, we can get Ohio state. This is, you know, and I think that was what kind of motivated all of us. And we worked real hard and we kind of like started clicking, you know, Kevin Metka and I were playing doubles together and we were, you know, we were tough. We were a tough out, you know, we, we were holding serve and I don't know, it just kind of all clicked at indoors. And I think there weren't much expectations for us for the first time going into a big tournament like that. And we kind of just played and stayed together as a team and took things one match at a time. And, you know, it happened and it was obviously awesome. It was great to see, to get Ty a title and mostly just for all the alumni that, you know, kind of built up everything at Ohio state and really paved the roots guys like Ross Wilson and, Chris Klingerman and other, you know, Ty Shobbs of the world, all the other Buckeyes that are still out there coaching and stuff, you know, they all had a big, big part in all of that as well, too. So it was cool just to, to kind of get one and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, particularly given the year prior, I'm curious where that 2013 National Indoor Semifinal ranks because I've told you this before. I think I have the five, six service game of yours in the third set memorized, and I'm sure you remember the inside-in forehand you missed as much as I remember the inside-in forehand you missed uh, during that game. To I believe that was on the game point um, that you had. But anyways, we're playing those four three matches. Where do those rank for you? Again, is it? I, I imagine it's got to be so much easier to be playing that match than it is now coaching it. Um, but that rivalry with Virginia, what does it mean to you as you look back on it? That was when I was playing Mitchell Frank, right? Uh, I think 4-3 was Dalmashan in Seattle. Oh, okay. You're right. Okay. Okay, yeah. So that that one, uh, I just I, – I remember that match. And the, the the match point was when I missed that backhand volley cross court, and as soon as I oh, hit, yeah. as soon as I hit it, I knew I missed it, and it landed close to the line. So I tried to like grab the call a little bit, beg for it a little yeah. bit, and I remember Devin McCarthy came on the court. Yeah. He had no shoots on, and he was like trying to get it too, and I'm like, man, that was out. But uh, <laughs> but I yeah, you know. That one was close. I, I I had never played Domajan before, and and I don't know. I, I I always had a lot of respect for him. I I didn't honestly know if I could even get that close in the match, and I was just playing. I was playing well. I was serving well. I was hitting the ball well. I was loose, and I was going for it. And and I went down going for it. And you know that's how it goes. I remember after the match, everyone was in good spirits we you know that was that was you know virginia was the best team in the country at the time so we were we were right there on the doorstep and i think that that match kind of helped you know keep pushing the, the team forward so i love that you mentioned because after you missed the backhand volley you can see if you watch the replay devin like just tomahawk the towel in anger. <laughs> like i can't believe we lost on a hook I and know. it's like no i think that ball was out i, I mean i knew it was out like as soon as I hit it, I was like, "Oh no!" Like I didn't hit, I didn't, you know. When you when you hit a shot and you it's, you know it's going to be close, it was one of those. So, but I was no, I was no nervous, time. obviously. But you know, I, I wish I had that one back. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you know, you talk about the next year playing with Kevin Metka, and you guys make the NCAA doubles final. I feel like everyone's got a Metka story. Give me your best Kevin Metka because watching you two play double, again, the big serving and you're both big guys and he's the lefty and 
I, was that the year that Schilling came up with the one behind the other while returning and you guys are just doing the funkiest stuff on court and it was all working? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know who or when that started, but the first time I saw it was with McCarthy and Von England because McCarthy's backhand volley sucked. So, <laughs> and his inside out forehand was amazing. So McCarthy on the ad side would stand behind Illa Von England serving yeah. and Illa would serve in volley and then McCarthy would be in the ad corner ripping inside out forehands that was the first time I saw it but um uh I mean it, it works and it worked and you know it's it's situational and it's not necessarily pro doubles or anything like that but um yeah that was what what they needed to do to win points on their serve and um Metka Kevin Metka legend great guy really 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 he might be the best worker that that i've ever seen you know just head down no matter you I mean he had what's the thing in your foot where you can't walk and stuff he had uh yeah but that shin, yes. like shin splints in your feet or whatever but he had those sure. his entire in my entire last year he was like struggling big time and you would have never known it like the guy was just a legend he just a beast you know his tennis wasn't great but he had an unbelievable serve and soft hands at the net and he was tough he was he was as tough as they come and and you know i think that's you know that's the big reason why we did so well Mm -hmm. no absolutely and i believe that 2014 season you guys get knocked off by ucla at ncas and just for the record again talking about the pro ties that ucla team marcos garone top 100 pro top 70 pro playing two singles mackie mcdonald top 70 pro playing three singles because the number one player in the country clay thompson's you know up there at that number one (laughs) spot and it's just like how that team didn't win an ncaa title that's a story for another time i'm sure but you know for you leaving college tennis at that moment do you feel ready for the pros like did you feel your game the way you were able to compete in that season ita all-american finalist and you know again ncaa doubles finalist how confident are you coming off of college as you begin your pro career uh it's a good question i think you'd be surprised um i i felt like that last month in college i couldn't i just couldn't put my tennis together like I, I just wasn't I wasn't I, I felt like I wasn't playing I was winning but I, I just felt like I, I you know my backhand was out of sorts and my return was a little out of sorts and you know when you when you have those feelings it's it's uh, it's a bit scary but I, I remember I, I lost Kevin and I lost in the finals of NCAAs and then the next day I talked with my with my manager at the time and he's like yeah you're flying to Israel for your first three futures tomorrow like pack your bags do your laundry and pack your bags and i'm like man like am i really ready for this and and yeah it turns out i, I was ready you know i i did really well there my final my uh, i went semi-final final semi-final in my first three uh singles futures and devin mccarthy and i won two of the doubles and lost in the finals of the other so i obviously was ready i think i was just more in my own head than anything else but uh yeah i was i was lucky i had such a good start to the to my pro career i was able to get out of qualifying basically right away and that's that's kind of a big big hurdle when you're first getting getting going when i had one point you know from from the fall (laughs) before so i needed some points fast or else i was gonna be in qualities for a while so 
no doubt. And I'm, I'm, no, I'm, you know, I'm looking through. By the way, some nice wins during this streak. Wins over Avashka. Wins over Max Martyrer uh, during their first few months. And yet, two losses to McCarthy and Connor Smith. Those have to sting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Connor, Connor's was, you know, uh, good man. Connor's good. <laughs> you can quack that one out. But um, <laughs> Devin, Devin and I were always neck and neck, man. Our whole he grew up in Cincinnati. I grew up in Columbus. We knew each other from the twelve and unders, and we always, you know, saw each other. We played each other in the state finals and doubles when we were seventeen years old. He was playing for his high school, so I, you know, we go back way back, and we would always go back and forth. And uh, I mean, when anytime you travel that far and you got to play like one of your best friends, both of those guys are my best friends. You know, I still talk to them a decent amount, and like it's just it's tough, you know, because you it's just weird, and you know, you're everyone's spending money and trying to trying to win, and but uh, but yeah, Connor 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 was the real deal. Yeah, no, absolutely, and obviously, you know, both got you know, Connor's your doubles partner. No secrets there. You're, yeah. you know, it's forty thirty. He's like, all right, he's going slide it. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah, he was a great returner <laughs> too. So that was even worse for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. But again, forty, you mentioned it. You're winning doubles titles. I think thirty-one and seventeen that first year in singles. And you know, I'm curious. You talked about it earlier. Just the commitment it takes financially to try and make the the push at this level and for you you know that next year your first full season 2015 you go 45 and 23 overall in pro circuit matches 45 and 23 you know if you're winning two-thirds of your matches one would think you're breaking even one would think you're making a living as a professional player and you know you're approaching top 500 top 400 of the rankings and yet again you've experienced it firsthand I'm curious what those first years are like you're having success on the court but trying to figure out all of the extracurricular stuff the arranging practices and you know again just financially sustaining yourself as a pro is that the most difficult part and i'm curious your first you know few years as you reflect what were the things that stood out in your pro career yeah i mean i think that the two two slash three biggest things are one financially obviously that's a that's a big one um, the second one would probably be like, I, I think I, I won, I, I, I was always able to kind of win my first two matches and I would get to the quarterfinals and then that, that mental block going from two points to six points would kind of get, get, get to me a little bit, you know, and I lost a lot of quarterfinal matches and I, and <laughs> I, I lost a lot of quarterfinal matches. And, um, so maybe that's where that good record comes from. I'd win two and lose one, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think the biggest one at the time was I think the reason why I struggled so much was I was more result based and I and I, I didn't have a really a coach at the time and I was kind of doing it on my own and trying to improve on my own and I and I didn't quite know what I was doing like how to, like how I was getting better every day and I think in the back I knew that in the back of my mind and I, I was like kind of just winning and I didn't see how my game was evolving and I think that's why I had a lot of those roadblocks for a long time and that didn't change until I. I hired a coach so but that makes the financial burden you know go to another level so mm-hmm. now, and i'm curious uh and I, this might be a stupid question why so much time in israel i like what, <laughs> what was it about those events was it the conditions like again that seemed to be the spot for you no that was where my coach was yeah so oh, God. I, I know so yeah that was where my base i was based out of tel aviv 
Um, which Really? Un- so tell me about that. Tell me about moving. Well, I was going to say, it was my chance to kind of uh, get a, you know, get one on your grammar. Anytime I, a Ohio State, Kentucky guy gets to knock on a Michigan man's grammar, it's it's Mazal Tov. It's not Mazal Tov. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say again: raised in, in the Jewish household I was in Michigan, it's Mazal Tov. Okay. That's just what we go. With. Yeah, the accent was lost two generations ago well, for well, me. If you ever go to Tel Aviv, Mazal Tov. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, yeah, it just kind of it just kind of worked out like that. I love Israel. I have a lot of friends that I consider family almost still there that I don't I haven't gotten to see in, see in a long time. And one of the guys on our team, Yasha Zemel here at Kentucky, I, you know, I helped recruit recruit over from Israel, and it was kind of a last minute thing. And it's great having him here, and you know, having a little bit of of an Israeli. Uh, uh, thing around me, you know, um, but um, yeah, it's just a crazy story. You know, David Cass was my manager at the time, and mm-hmm. and he had some ties to Israel. And when I went over there for my futures, he introduced me to uh, my coach. At, he wasn't my coach at the time, and he coached Rolla a little bit on the tour. And then mm-hmm. I was looking for a coach, and David told me to fly over to Israel and try out try out uh, my coach. His name's Julian Olivari, and I went over there, and you know, I, for the first time in a long time, I felt like I was improving, like I'm improving with my tennis, and then that's where I, that's where I stayed. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm again, I'm fascinating for you because you look at the U.S. future circuit, and particularly when it's fully humming, I think it's tough to judge it right now. Although it has been so great to see the emergence of events in Ithaca, Fayetteville, all around the you know Lubbock, and all these colleges. Now you almost have to have a pro circuit event at your campus to compete. But what was it like for you to get out of that bubble? Because so frequently, you know, you see. I'm sure at that time it would have been the Evan Kings of the world who you'd spent years competing against and the Jared Hiltzik's of the world, et cetera, et cetera, all the college guys competing in the U.S. Did it help you to get out of that bubble at all? Yeah, I think so. I think anytime you play like new faces and new people and go to new events and see new things and try new food, anything, anytime it's new, it's kind of just like a little extra like bump in excitement or whatever you want to call it. You know, but it's something fresh, and you feel like you're doing something new for the first time a little bit. But um, it was just more or less. It was just different tennis. You know, tennis in America that is kind of played differently than it is over in in Europe, and and you know, just the game and the mentality. Even you know, not many people pumping it up over in France in between points and stuff like that. But. Um, no, I, it was it was just nice. I felt like I got a great tennis education over there. I really learned about the game, and you know, instead of just trying to hit my serve and my forehand and come to the net, I was you know trying to learn how to you know return better and build points and slow things down and try and see the game and try and build build on you know try and see my opponent and digest the game differently. And I think that really opened up my eyes, and I think that's that's kind of what you know. Took, took my game up to another level. Mm-hmm. Do you consider a two-handed backhand at any point? You're like, let me just try this. Like, maybe that's the piece. <sighs> it's kind of a joke, but like, I, you know, I th- Ty told me once, he's like, if you would have had a two-handed backhand, you would have made it, man. But <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the biggest thing is just the return of serve. The one-handed backhand is just, 
it's just hard with the return of serve. And I personally think the return of serve is the most important part, the most important shot in tennis, you know, coming from a big server, obviously the return of serves that's for me that I just feels like the return of serve and your forehand are, are the two biggest shots in tennis today. And like, I just, and the return of serve was, is just, was just always tough for a one hand for, for a one hander. I just, I don't know. I could never, I could never really get it, but. Well, it, it's fascinating you say that because, again, your perspective for our listeners who don't know, six foot twelve, uh, and six foot seven, and obviously, if you never got to see Peter Pet play, just go to YouTube, Peter Cobelt, watch the ITA All American highlights, then search Virginia Ohio State 2013 National Indoors. You'll thank me later. Um, but all of that is to say, big serves. Big forehands moving forward, as you mentioned, that was the staple of your tennis, and you could hit that service forehand as well as you know anyone in the nation during your time in college. And I'm curious, transitioning to the pros, you talk about it, and if you actually look top 50 leaders right now, hold percentage versus break percentage on the ATP leaderboard, it's the guys who are better at breaking serve having more success than the guys who are better at holding serve right now. It's pretty close, but it does lean towards the return. I'm curious. That's what you noticed. Again, that's the difference. It's just those first, you know, two shots, first five shots, whatever it is in the rally. That's the make or break at the pro level. Yeah, I just there's just something, something about like getting the ball back one more time or being able to start the point. It's just it, it wears on you over over time. When I, every time I'd play a great returner, I just felt like my serve was that was how I was winning all my points. It just took away my, my first weapon. And like, I, I couldn't, you know, maybe I wasn't precise enough with my serve or I wasn't mixing up as well, but I just feel like when you can return and you can control the point with your forehand, it takes a lot of pressure off of other, other areas in your game where you, you know, if you get broke, you're like, okay, like I can get back into the next game. But I think when you have a good return, you're going to relax on your service game and vice versa and everywhere everything else inside your game will you'll you'll relax because okay i, I messed miss a forehand no big deal I'm, you know i'll just make a return and i'll try again but if you're not making any returns and you have a 30 40 feels like the world's on top of your head you know i got it i don't know how i'm gonna make this return and i gotta make it and then when you miss it it's like you know it's tough so mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's what draxel does so well he just puts a million returns in play right like the guy just does not beat himself ever no, yeah, Draxel. Draxel's the man. He's a beast. He he always he always finds a way, and yeah, he makes a ton of balls, and he absolutely makes you beat him. And and uh, I know he's excited about coming back, and uh, we're excited about having him back. And I know he's got big things planned. And uh, no. yeah. No, absolutely. And again, you look for you, and just to, to put a bow here, I, I think, what, 15 singles finals during the course of your career, and you made four finals, and, you know, you were top 400 in singles. You were top 400 in doubles. I'm curious for you, because I think, what, you are you turned 31 later this month. I'm looking at the tennis abstract. I'm looking yeah. here, November 17th. Happy early birthday, my uh, friend. Thank you. Um, thank but, you. I'm getting old. Which, but, no, yeah, that's terrifying. If you're 31, how old does that make me? And it's too old. Um, but, yeah, or I think I saw Yannick Hoffman turn 30 this year. I was like, get out of here. I was like, no way. I know. Um, but all of that is to say, uh, you know, what makes you decide, all right, you know what, it, it is time to hang it up because I've seen you. You're still in pretty good shape. And, like, you look at the age curve right now on the ATP Tour, it's not as though you can't play into your 30s. What, you know, what made you decide, all right, I think I've played enough? 
I just, I just don't, I just didn't have the love to like grind anymore to practice and to, to do all the, I just, my body was breaking down and to do all the rehab and the physical, you know, all the warming up, all the cooling down, all the stretching. And, and it was just like mental warfare. It was just too much to do. You know, I, I didn't want, I still love to compete. I, every now and then I get, I get a chip on my shoulder and I'll try and play in a little bit with the guys here and I can play like two games and I'm like, I can't play anymore. Like, like I'm too tired or whatever. But, um, I joke around with them too. Cause I still have like a ranking. I'm like 900 in the world. So I'm still like ranked higher than everybody on the team or minus like Milan and, and, uh, Draxel. So like, I, I've always messed around with them. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go sign up for, for Ithaca and stuff like that. But <laughs> I knew if I did, I would fall on my face after a set. So no, it's no. Just... I just so the counter would be that you and Cedric would have actually filled the gap at number two doubles last year, like so <laughs> perfectly for the Cats, and you probably could this year too. <laughs> no, Sed and I will hit. Sed and I will hit a, a little bit here and there, and he's still got it. He's smooth, man. He's his forehand's unbelievable. He's competing with Zemel for six. He's like, I'm gonna play this year. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if we're competing for any anything other than uh, bragging rights anymore, but. But no, yeah, um, I, I still think I have it, but I, I don't, you know, like yeah. I still hit a decent ball, but I, I can't play anymore really, but it's, it's all right. My, my time's come. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And so for you now, obviously you get into the college coaching ranks and, you know, I'm curious, how does the opportunity to go down to the university of Kentucky come up for you? And, you know, what, what have your first few, you know, your first year and months on the job meant to you? Has it been great to get you talk about still being a competitor? It's gotta be nice to be back in that environment. Yeah. So it was just that kind of the beginning of the COVID thing. You know, I was, a uh... I was dealing with a bad shoulder. I just got like a cortisone shot and I was getting ready to go back out on the tour and play. And then boom, COVID hits. And I had already kind of was like, man, I don't know if I, you know, I'm struggling right now. And then Cedric called and asked, you know, what do you think about coming down and helping out down here? And I thought about it and talked to my family and they thought it was a great opportunity. And uh, I called him back and said, yes. And came down and, got to meet everybody matt matt gordon's awesome he's a great guy he's he's helped me a ton too said's been amazing the guys are really open and cool and they work real hard and they, they listen really well they're great kids matt and said have done a great job recruiting you know um and they've also you know been really open to my advice you know they let me speak and critique and you know basically whenever whenever i feel like it which i don't know how other programs work or whatever but I think that's not necessarily a common thing. So I think we're a really good team. Matt said and I, we, we work real well together. And um, I think we have a great team this year and we're real excited, you know, for the season. I think uh, the guys are real motivated and we just got to get them prepared. So. Mm-hmm. Does it help? You guys have three guys who all obviously competed in college tennis, three guys who I'm pretty sure Matt, you know, and I think Matt and Pete made NCAA doubles while at Coastal Carolina. Obviously, Cedric was an All-American uh, during his time playing at Kentucky. You're an All-American. Does it, oh, you know, having been on the player side, do you think it helps now that you're on that coaching side that you have three guys all with playing experience, all who played at a high level as well? How does that, you know, inform some of the decisions you guys make? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. I think it's it's more so for the players, you know, like they they know when we're talking, like, that what we're saying you know that we've already kind of walked the walk a little bit so it's much i think it's a little bit easier for them to listen 
the first time or the second time instead of the fourth, fifth, or sixth. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. sometimes it's, you know, some are a little more stubborn than others. I was a stubborn one, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it just helps kind of speed things up a little bit, you know, just in terms of getting points through and trying to explain, explain things. And the guys we have are great, you know, they, they really do really listen well. So, mm-hmm. no, and that's why, again, I think we're all expecting big things from Kentucky this season. I'm curious, do you model yourself after the Dave uh, Schilling model, a volunteer assistant? Because I feel like, Again, we don't talk enough about Schilling was the yin to Ty's yang or maybe vice versa, however you want to say it. But <laughs> I feel like when you can go three wide, it's it, it's a big deal just to be able to provide that extra voice to these players. Yeah, well, whenever you want a good laugh, call call David and ask him for all my nicknames he gave me in college. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get a great laugh with, with that one. I must they have, called I, you Peter Onehand, I'm I must, sure. I must have had 40, I swear. <laughs> but – um. But no, yeah, Shills, Shills was my. Well, he was the one coaching me the most on court, on court wherever I was playing. He, him, and I always kind of seemed to gel the best. And uh, he actually just called me on the phone the other day. He, he's a Denison now, and he he's, uh, was talking about um, Isra- Israeli tennis and stuff like that. So it was cool. To, I got to give him a call back. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just learning learning from those guys. It, you, you kind of see why they, they coach the way they do and how, and, you know, the reasons behind it all. And, you know, they're all really smart guys and, and, uh, try, try and go back in the memory bank the best I can. And, you know, what would Shills or Crow or whoever Ty would have done and try and make the best decision with what I know now and everything. And it's just, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. So has Ty gone soft in his old age? I know what the practices looked like in 2004 with Ross Wilson and Scott Green, and I even know what they looked like in 09. But word on the street is Ty's gone soft over in Columbus. I don't, I don't know. You know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't been inside the, the new building or whatever. I haven't seen a practice in a while, but um, mm-hmm. I can't imagine he's gotten no, he's gotten I, too soft. But yeah, when before I got there, I, I had heard he was pretty on the on the job and while i was there it seemed like he was too <laughs> but um <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i i can't yeah. imagine i can't imagine he's gotten uh too soft that doesn't seem like tie to me you give me a tie war story give me one of them you're in the bunker it's post that texas a&m match your freshman year or something like that where he just you know again he lights into you guys he uh he honestly wasn't much on my court a whole lot anytime he would come over he would just it was a be on my serve, and he would just say, "Fake kick T or or fake kick slice out wide." He loved calling the fake kick. That was that was yeah. our that was our call. So, yeah. but uh, if you want a Ty Tucker, you know story story mode, you're gonna have to invite me back on here a few more times. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's there, fair. I like that. Yeah, there's that's a bunch good. of there's a bunch of good stories with Ty. So. No, I'm sure. And, you know, again, I'm curious because you got to see – well, I guess Samdev was right before you. But was Stevie that much better than everyone else, Stevie Johnson, in college? Could you just tell like, oh, yeah, I mean, obviously you're there for the win streak. You saw it unfold. Yeah, no, Steve, he was just moving at a different pace. He mm-hmm. for he didn't look very fast when you saw him in person, but he was fast and he was explosive and quick. And the game was just a little bit slower for him. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but as I got older and I learned how to slow the game down, I, I understood like how 
far advanced Steve was playing college, he was just kind of toying around with people. Like he didn't really have to play almost a lot of the matches because he was just in control of everything. And, you know, mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, it was, when you watched him play, you knew like, well, okay, that's the best player in college tennis. There was no one at even at that level. And that's, for me, that's amazing to say with all the big names that have, that were in his time, you know, he was just the best one for sure. Mm -hmm. No, I think, yeah, it's a testament to his talent. I'm curious, and again, rapid fire here down the home stretch before I let you go. In terms of college tennis for your development, I feel like in, it's tough to, you know, you can look at the ATP rankings right now. I feel like it does more for doubles almost than it does for your singles game. Everyone's just going to get better at singles with repetitions, but I feel like learning the plays and just being forced to play four, five months of doubles each and every season. That, you know, again, when you look at college tennis as development for the pros, more impactful singles, more impactful doubles. Doubles, for sure. Yeah. If you're a good doubles player in college, you can make top 100. I, I like, I, I like, I can almost swear on it. Like, if you, if there's a, if you're, if you're a good doubles player in college, you know, top five, top ten, you know, you can, you can do it. My, I'm good buddies with Joe Salisbury, and he's absolutely mm -hmm. killing it. Obviously, he's done great things and he's worked real hard there's you know there's a lot of examples of guys out there that are you know doing amazing in, in doubles you know and making a living playing doubles on the tour so yes doubles for sure and you and I, I believe you absolutely can do it so looking back I, I wish I would have played more doubles on the tour I was focusing mostly on singles but but uh coulda shoulda woulda <laughs> sure I feel like Rolla and Buchanan could have walked into the ATP. They could have walked into Wimbledon and won a round or two, like that 2011-2012 season. Yeah, they were they were they were really really good. That, there wasn't yeah. a better team in college tennis, I don't think, that year. So no, I mean, yeah, especially they're the only team to win all three: the All American, Fall Nats, and the NCAA title. Um, again, here rapid fire down the home stretch before I let you go. You're on campus this season in Kentucky. Obviously, last season, you guys, round of 32, your only home loss coming in that round of 32 to Arizona. And, you know, you bring back the gang. You bring in a ton of newcomers as well to contribute in the bottom of the lineup. You think guys like Musatelli and Mercer uh, coming in as transfers and, you know, development, Lapidot and Zemel, et cetera. What should we expect from the Cats this year down in Lexington? Well, I don't think we're putting many expectations on ourselves. The only thing we're trying to do is – just do the best we can every day and you know it's kind of a boring answer but i think that's just the only thing you can do you know just every time you step on the court you, you bring your best attitude the, you know the best energy you know try and work on whether it is you know whether we're just working on something technically or a team practice or doubles you're you're giving it everything you have and and try and take away you know or take away the thoughts of oh we have a good team on paper you know like it doesn't really mean a whole lot when it you know at, at the end of the day the team that i think is the most prepared and that uh bonds together the best and competes the hardest and and i think that's the team that's gonna that's gonna do the best so uh we'll see our our, our focus is on dayton and uh we'll go one match at a time and and uh we're definitely excited so Mm -hmm. No, it's, you're right. That wasn't a fun answer. Um, but no, that's a, that's a good one. There's no doubt about that. Um, all right. You clinched 2013 quarterfinals against USC, right? You beat Sarmiento, I, I want to say. I did. Yes. Yeah, 
Tell me, is that a top five moment for you? Yeah, that was that was that was my best win in college. That might be my best win ever in, in any time in my career. That was that was cool. I don't even rem- I remember the the point, but I don't remember like the thirty seconds after. I don't. I, the only thing I remember is Coach Peter Smith coming up to me and giving me a big hug and saying congratulations. I thought that was really cool of him. Mm-hmm. And Raymond is obviously a good friend of mine. I haven't, I haven't heard from him or seen him in a while, but um, that was it. I didn't know him too well at the time, but we became really good friends on the tour, and uh, you know, we we would take some little small jabs at each other and stuff. And that was one of my my kicker cards. So, mm-hmm. did you? Uh, how much do you have left in the tank? Because I think the next day, does Marcos clinch on you in the semis? <sighs> Man, you had to do it, huh? <laughs> I did it with full circle. I, like I said, I, I, the good news is I can still find that memory in the back of the brain, and I'm like, oh, I remember that. Like he like fell on his back. I kind of remember it now. It's you all coming back. Oh yeah, you're just not going to talk about the serve then. <laughs> well, there we go. Let's get into it. <laughs> no, so yeah, that well, the worst part about it all is I hadn't had a break point against me the entire tournament until then, mm-hmm. until that break point. Like I didn't have one against Junior against A and M. I didn't have one against Sarmiento, and Jerome didn't have one on me until that game. I just, I just, I was tired. I was obviously mentally, mentally and physically tired, but I don't know. It just, it just, it was just, yeah, wasn't my, wasn't my day to say the least. In out. What do you think? You know, do you still can you see the ball? Can you see it? Uh, the serve. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's somewhere in the in the cornfields or the or the, the cow cow pasture in in Illinois, wherever that ball flew off my racket. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that was a that was a rough one. Yeah, can you see? Yeah, uh, again, it's all coming back. Still, those moments are what college is all about, right? I have to imagine, and that team, super special group, right? Those are the things you look back on. Yeah, I mean, like, a few, like Devin still gives me crap about it from time to time, and because <laughs> what it was all frame team, if memory, like you, there was no string, there was no string touched. No, it was all frame. I just totally <laughs> framed it, and I blamed it on. It was windy that day, and I blamed it on the it wind. It was windy that day, though. It was atrocious. It was really windy, but I hadn't had any issues the whole day, so I, I can't blame it on the wind. But it was a clean frame, and it was nowhere near the court, and. <laughs> Jerome went crazy and it sucked, but <laughs> but uh, it is you know it is what it is and uh, I obviously wish I had that one back, um, but uh, it was it was the good news is a great it, tournament. at least it wasn't on a deuce point like that would have made it way worse. That's true. That's true. That would yeah. that would have been way worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the so, guys had it harder today. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Are you so again? No asterisk. It was a legitimate national indoor title. Let's be clear. You got a sniff of a no-ad scoring. Did you like it playing it, and what do you think of it now? I liked it. I also liked not warming up before the match. Yeah, I hated I hated warming up with for 50 minutes or for 40 minutes or however long you warm up, and then having to warm up for five or ten more minutes after that. I liked just going straight into the doubles. I didn't want to warm up anymore. And then, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like the no-ad scoring – made it a little more electric made it more more fun like every point mattered just a little bit more like it was more pressure and as as a coach i don't like it as much but <laughs> but as a player i kind of i always kind of liked it a little bit of a challenge and it was just kind of you know it, it made it i feel like it made it harder for people to break me 
So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, no, you yeah again. I'm, I'm the thought of, of you guys unleashing that serve and no ad scoring definitely definitely a scary proposition. Yeah. Um, all right, my last question for you, and I asked this to Ross Wilson, and I asked this to Kenyeko, and I asked this to Ty once, and he was like, huh, and didn't give me the best answer. Uh, so I'm going to ask you as well. Give me the Ohio State men's tennis Mount Rushmore. It's been a lot of talent over the past two, three, four decades of Ohio State tennis. Who are the four guys, the four names you put up there on the pedestal? Well, oh, man, that is a good question. I mean, you, I think you got to put like a J.J. Wolf up there. He's probably wow, he's, yeah. he's probably up. I think he might be the best one ever at Ohio State just in terms of his ability and everything. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I, I'll put I'll put, I'll put yeah, I'll put one up there. I'll put I'll put Kronagi up there because he won the most matches ever for Ohio State, and that means something. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a frequent, by the way, up here in the list I've heard. Man, sometimes there's like a Wilson spot or a Kenyako spot, or you know, a little yeah, love no, no. To, to like a Wurtzman. You know, some of the early guys. You know, Stephen Monarchy was was a beast too. One. Stephen Monarchy was a beast. And then I'll go fourth. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, oh man! No Rolla. Interesting. It's either I was gonna pick between Rolla or Buchanan. Yeah, one of those guys. Honestly, they're a doubles duo. You just put them up together. It's cheating, but I'll allow it. Yeah, I don't know how you don't put Rolla up there, but at the same time, you know, same goes with Chase. So, are are we sure Chris Diaz doesn't belong on that list? <laughs> Chris, Chris Diaz. <laughs> Belongs on the top four Rushmore of smartest kids that ever come through Ohio State. That guy, I think he's doing. I think he's a brain surgeon or something now. So something crazy. He, he, yeah, he's, he he obviously won. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it it checks out. Well, uh, again, for you, I, I'm curious. You, you first, you know, second year of college coaching. You you found your rhythm now. You you feel like this it could be the pathway for you. Yeah, I think so. I think the first year I was kind of feeling it out and trying to work the best I could with Matt and with Cedric. And we I think we finally we, it's not like we didn't have it, but it was like we we got gelling together as a team really well. And it's fun, you know. It's it's fun to compete. It's fun to be around guys who are trying to you know be as good as they can be and work hard and you know have big time aspirations and. Uh, there's nothing like a, a close dual match when you know even when there's a tight call or the fans are crazy you know it just kind of like it turns you on inside it just gets you going it's hard to explain and i definitely didn't get that feeling teaching the ladies at the club the three five ladies at the club that's for sure so it's uh <laughs> it's definitely better than that um but uh no i'm i'm absolutely loving it i definitely want to keep going down this path and uh We'll see what the the future holds, but I'm excited for the year. I know everyone here is excited, and uh, we just can't wait for January, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. For whatever it's worth, you guys are a preseason number 10 team, so we've got a full Kentucky breakdown pod for you guys to rip on me about coming out later this week. Uh, So, um, yeah, no, super excited to see that. And, again, I 
I think it's always great when people who played at the highest levels of college tennis get back into the game. I think part of the reason we see the level of college tennis as high as it is right now is because I think the quality of coaching has never been better. You can look school, the school. Like, do we talk about the fact that Bobby Reynolds is now a coach? Like, just at Auburn, just like yeah. kind of sitting there doing his thing, and it's just like I think the coaching's ridiculous now. Yeah, absolutely. I think the it's it's getting harder and harder and harder to have you know a really good team there's just so many good coaches and everyone's doing a great job and you know there everyone understands how important recruiting is, is and you know there's just so many so many new things even with the whole new NLI stuff uh there's just so many new things and so many things that to digest and and um it's it's definitely a, a different era of college tennis it's uh it's difficult but it's fun it's a challenge and that's what it's all about so no, absolutely and again i think college tennis is a better place with peter cobalt back in it so uh i appreciate you taking the time to chat today i appreciate you guys down in kentucky tolerating all of my nonsense throughout the year so i am sure we will have the chance to chat with you again i think i have to now to get the ty tucker stories i want to hear <laughs> has anyone actually seen his calves because i've never seen him not in pants like and i i saw him throw rate weights around in orlando i used to think all right last thing this is the last tangent. i hope he hears this i used to think he was just like you know the reason everything was so baggy is because he enjoys Miller instead of Miller Lite and it's just like now there's a little belly for Ty but then I saw him in the workout room in Orlando it is not a belly like the guy's double XL because he's jacked yeah he's he's big he was all he was always in the gym he would go he would go like type two emails on the computer and then his ADD would turn on and he would like go back into the gym and lift weights for 10 minutes or walk on the treadmill. He liked, he likes the incline treadmill. Sorry, Ty, I'm giving away all your secrets, man. But, uh, (laughs) but no, he, he worked out a ton. He's, I don't know if he still does, but he, when I was there, he was in the gym all the time. He loved, he loved the lift and loved the work. And I think that's why, you know, he is the way he is. So, but yeah, I've seen his calves a few times. Yeah, once he does show that he does take the sweatpants off. That's good to know. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's funny. But again, I'm gonna have to get you back on the show, Pete. Thanks so much for taking the time. Be safe, be healthy, and obviously, good luck to you guys down in Lexington this year. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Alex, and thanks again for all the for all the coverage you do for college tennis. I wish I would you would have been doing this when I was playing. This is really cool, especially for for a player. So, thanks for you having me that on. Now? But then when you would have been the recipient of all of the Cobalt over Rolla hot takes that I would have been thrown out, you'd be like, dude, you know, you'd be like, settle down. Those would have definitely been hot. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But again, thank you so much. Be safe. Be healthy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Take care. Hope all of you enjoyed today's conversation with former Ohio State All-American, current Kentucky men's tennis volunteer assistant Peter Cobalt. A thank you to Peter for you know, dealing with all of my nonsense for being willing to dive back in history with us and share, again, the difficulties that come in making the transition to the pro circuit. I sincerely mean it when I say I know uh, Coach Cobalt now is going to have success throughout his college coaching career, so I appreciate him giving us the time to chat with him. And again, we will be wishing him and the Wildcats success throughout the course of 2022. And the Wildcats, by the way, the subject of our first episode of College Contenders. They're our number 10 men's team here in 
the preseason. You can hear all about them later this week on the Great Shot Podcast. You can be able to hear from head coach Cedric Kaufman later this week on this podcast feed as well. Of course, our number 10 team for the women, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You want to hear from Coach Melissa Schaub here about their uh, upcoming season. You can do so, uh, of course, on the Great Shot Podcast feed as well. Daily updates on the mini break, all those podcasts available on the website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you're at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. With all that said, it's for our guest, Peter Kobelt, super producers, Fligner and Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Oh, uh, excuse me. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe. Stay healthy. That's what we say. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.